0: Hi, I'm Princess Rara. And I'm Dara, the Electro Khaleesi.
1: And this is Pink Kink, the podcast where we talk about the pretty, twisted
0: side of Pink.
1: Today's episode is produced by our electrifying pink kinksters. Thank you to the ESW, J Tempest, Brianna Lynn, Daddy J, Fabe, Embers, William P, Lady, Claire, Mr. N and Mrs. Jess, Mistress Good Girl, Lady Blooding, Gardener, Daddy Longlegs, Sea Dog, John M,
0: Cassie, Primal Empress, Cuz Baby Girl, Harley Gentleman, Roxy, Mistress Francesca, Slut Queenie, Alice Dash, Totoro and Bunnykins, Butte Payne, Cat, Stefan, Brooklyn B, Manda Panda, Jam Today, and Run for Cover. Pink Kink runs off the generosity of our devoted patrons. As a patron, you will become a member of our special Discord
1: server, receive some adorable Pink Kink stickers, as well as have access to a monthly behind the scenes podcast. In addition, our impactful and electrifying Pink Kinksters get special audio and video episodes. And finally, patrons at our highest tier
0: will be recognized as producers both here on the podcast and on our website. If you would like to become a patron, you can visit us at patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast or click the link at pinkkinkpodcast.com. Warning, any activity which constricts or blocks a person's air or blood flow comes with risk and can never be 100% safe. There's always a chance of something going wrong, and anyone who takes part in this kind of play needs to be aware of this prior to engaging. Do not try anything involving breath play without being aware of the risks involved. This is not something to be done lightly. It requires extensive knowledge of human anatomy and significant self control to even consider the prospect. There are ways to mitigate some of this risk and keep people safer, but it's important to state upfront that it's never zero risk. This episode is intended to help people understand the risks involved in breath play, as well as understand some common harm minimization techniques or strategies if you decide to engage in this type of play. Pink Kink Podcast is not encouraging this type of play. The discussion and advice provided are for educational and harm minimization purposes only.
1: Let's talk about one of the more controversial areas of BDSM edge play, And that is breath play.
0: I'm really, really fascinated by this one because there's so many different aspects, I guess. And they're all edgy. Well, you're literally playing a game
1: of your life in your partner's hands. And I think it seems to be glorified lately. Right. It's very fascinating. I see a lot of it on TikTok. You'll see creators making posts where they're pretending that like the camera's their partner's throat and they're grabbing onto it. And it is just, it is so challenging and so risky, but so popular that I thought it was really important that we talk about it.
0: Well, I've seen it on a lot of episodes of like CSI and SVU and all of that, where they're talking about like autoerotic asphyxiation and they paint it in such a way where it's like they do that whole thing where the kinky people are bad. Right. Because you know, that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Because they're playing with somebody's breath, basically.
0: Well, autoerotic is self, self-inflicted, self I guess. But And you have a desire to do... Not the kind that you're thinking of. But it's a form of breath play. It's a form, I guess. Well, we can ask, it, you know, what what it's considered. I guess it's a form of breath play. Blood choking? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, it's not taking away the breath, though. I, we'll talk to our expert about it. and Yeah, that's a question that I really want right? to ask them. Like, what is the difference? But yeah. yes, I do want I to do mean, blood choking. Breath
1: play, all of that, it's not something I personally have any interest in indulging in because quite frankly, it's really dangerous. Yeah. And the level of trust and experience that your partner should have is essential. I mean, otherwise, you are, this is not something you can really screw up. No, it could result in death. If
0: you screw up, that's a
1: problem. Right? Even the slightest thing can go wrong. It can cause lasting damage to the brain, the spine. The list of possible injuries is about as long as the different types of breath play. We brought in an expert today to talk about breath play because we don't know much of anything. We don't know
0: jack shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds typical for us.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, some things we can research. And some things were like, yeah, no. Even researching this one, at least for me, did not give me a comfort level as
1: bringing an expert. So our expert today is Kink Goblin, or KG as his friends like to call him. I
0: got to say, I adore your name.
2: Oh, thank you. It's Mr. Goblin if you're nasty.
1: (laughs) Oh, we're nasty, Mr. Goblin. (laughs) Oh, no, don't even, don't start. Look what you did. (laughs) She's all excited now. Yeah. I like being nasty. What can I say? Well, (laughs) Mr. Goblin here has been an active member of the Phoenix King community for he he almost didn't want to admit this, but like twenty years.
2: Yeah, it didn't used to be that long. Yeah. (laughs) God,
1: this is going to be an interesting (laughs) one. One of those. He's a member of the Arizona Power Exchange. He served on the board of directors and was even the vice president for a while. He has also been a paramedic. And has been a working registered nurse in a Metro Phoenix hospital emergency department since 2010. He's taught classes in advanced life support and CPR, and he's taught classes on this subject matter.
0: Well, that's what we're going for. So glad you have such an impressive resume there.
2: Oh, uh, I thank you. It is what it is. Uh, I yeah, thank thank you. Did we make him
1: blush? I think we might have a, yeah, little, a little bit. a little bit. I was
2: getting uncomfortable when people tell me I'm great. Yes. It's just one of my furlings. Fail-
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's start with some basics. Exactly what is breath play?
2: As with all things kink, there are no hard and fast definitions. My definition of breath play is anything that you do to control the respirations of someone else. Other people will throw in... Uh, manipulating the circulatory system as well, which I can think of as a related but separate topic, but I'm sure we'll get into that.
0: Yes, we will, because that's a major question I have.
2: Yeah. Uh, basically, controlling someone's breathing. And it can be anything that you, for, my, for me personally, anything that you do to control someone's breathing can be considered breath play. It's not just choking someone out. And the way I play, it is, in fact, never choking someone out. But there are a lot of different things you can do with breath play that aren't necessarily just, like, strangling someone.
0: Okay, yeah. cool.
1: I would Strangling sounds sounds bad. It does, <laughs> a little. Seems
0: dangerous.
2: Well, I mean, I always say that, like, choking isn't even kinky, because, like, vanillas do it. Like, they're, I mean, one of the go-to moves is there are plenty of of people out there who really enjoy a hand on their throat with some form of compression doesn't mean they like to be choked all the way out, but they like that sensation. They like that restriction and that power exchange. But I almost call that not even kinky anymore because it seems like everybody does it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was speaking to somebody who does jitsu, jujitsu. And that's something that they learn. And when somebody like graduates their belt level, they have a ceremony and choking them out is actually part of the ceremony, huh?
2: Yeah, when, yeah. When we get into when we get into safety and the bad rap that breath play got for a long time, we will we will talk about just that. Ah, yeah, absolutely. So,
0: why are people so obsessed with it right now?
2: Um, I can't answer that. I don't know. I've been obsessed with it since I was, you know, a wee little lad. I didn't realize that it has become a thing. What I will say is that for a very long time, it was deeply stigmatized. You could not do it publicly. You could not perform any kind of breath play publicly in a public dungeon, at a, even a private party. People who engaged in breath play were stigmatized as dangerous players. And this went on for a very long time. And it's probably only been since the last 10 years that that's kind of turned around. The safe, sane, and consensual crowd from the 90s and early 2000s, and a gentleman named Jay Wiseman, did a real good job of preventing even education on the subject for a very long time. Generations change, and people grow up, and people move on, and I think there's been enough time between that safe, sane, and consensual movement that people are starting to talk about it now. and. I can only speak for myself and the people that I play with, but there are a lot of people out there who find it fun.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, sane is kind of relative. Well, and yeah, that's why we, I think bringing in rack risk-aware,
1: consensual kink has helped because now we can do some more of these extreme play as long as you're risk-aware. That's
2: right, which is, you know, why I teach the classes that I do. I think you know it's kind of like sex ed. Like, are you do you want to not talk about it and have people make really poor choices, or do you want to educate them so they can make choices? Say, there
0: you go. All right, bonus question. Yeah. Why are you Who? fascinated by it?
2: Ah, ha, ha. ah I love control. <laughs> I love control, and I have a penchant for fear and terror, and. I like playing with breath play to get across to the bottom that I control every aspect of what's going on right now. You are completely at my mercy. I'm going to take you a place where you are truly afraid, but you're going to be safe. What I usually like to say is I promise that you will breathe. You will absolutely breathe, but you will breathe when I want you to breathe. Not necessarily when you want (laughs) to breathe.
1: (laughs) I like that. I mean, I've done not so much like choking at her. But I've done scenes where the top does have the hand around and constricting. I can still breathe, but it's a little bit constricted. And there's something very powerful about it. It's basically, you Absolutely. are only breathing because I'm allowing you to breathe. And if yeah. I change my and mind high. and don't oh. allow you to breathe, oh, well, for you. <laughs> yeah.
2: And the trust is we're not going to go there, but we could. And that's the theater. That's the excitement. That's why we do the shit that we do. That's what gets us off. I don't ever do breath play as a breath play scene. I mean, I rarely do anything as like one component as a scene. I'm pretty theatrical in my play. um, And I have a lot of different moving parts. But I do like the idea of tying somebody into a chair. And while I'm doing other horrible things to them, yeah, maybe I'm taking a plastic bag and I'm putting it over their head. I'm not even tying it off, right? Um, they still have perfect air exchange, but they still have a plastic bag over their head, and it's hot and it's steamy and it's uncomfortable. And it's disconcerting, because now you've got a plastic bag over your head, and this crazy fuck could tie it off at any moment, and there's nothing you can do about it, right? I would count that as, as a breath play. It's, it's a mental thing. It's what's going to happen next? I don't I know. Never even you know are you going that
1: It's mindfuckery at its
0: finest. That's some mafia level shit right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have this friend named Abby. Um, you're okay if we just kind of tangently. Oh, go right around, ahead. Right? We
1: can't stay. We can't stay in a straight line if we tried.
2: <laughs> okay, so I really enjoy plastic bag, for what I call plastic play or bag play, where you put a plastic bag over somebody's head, you take electro tape and wrap it around the base of their throat, and then you just sit back and watch. It is a very intense experience. It is very high up on the danger scale as far as this is one of these scenes where if you are not in control, like someone could die. Someone could die doing that kind of scene. And it is definitely not for everyone. But Abby is a badass and we have played for many years. And she's a derby girl. And I will do these scenes. She is one of the few people in the world that can make me red because I like to be all scary and tough and be like, my whole thing is. I'm going to put this on you and you're going to freak out. You are going to panic and I'm going to let you and I'm going to count to five once you are truly to the point where like, no, this isn't okay anymore. I can't breathe. I'm scared. We're going to count to five and then I'm going to take it off your head. And again, this is all pre-negotiated. People understand what's coming when we do this kind of stuff. But Abby will just sit there. Abby is such a badass that she will let herself fall into a panic and not read out with a smile on her face because she knows I'm going to freak out and pull the bag off her head before it goes any further, and she wins every time.
1: Damn. That is some shit-level trust there.
2: It is, but uh, that's, you know, this breath play is not pickup No. That is one of my little highlights. You do not do this kind of stuff with people that you don't know really, really well. But with people that you do know really, really well, it can be an amazing, intense, exciting experience. One of my other caveats is – I'm going to back up and let you guys ask another question because otherwise I'll just –
0: No, we like it.
2: Listen to myself.
1: I I honestly know so little about the subject. I don't even know what I don't know and what I should be asking.
0: Yeah. So if you've you've (laughs) got random
2: stories, we love those. So let's start off with, with breath play is controlling people's breath. How can you do that? People assume that all breath play is inherently dangerous, and that's actually not true. If I tell my bottom to hold their breath, and they hold their breath, that to me is breath play. And it is self-limiting, because they can only hold their breath for so long, and they'll start breathing again. It is fail-safe. There's no way for a bottom to die from holding their breath. Now, I can amp it up. I can take a violet wand with, like, a metal spike attachment, and put it on Oh, let's let's just be a real let's just be a dick and say I'm putting it on the clip. And I say, if you breathe, I'm zapping you. (laughs) Now they have motivation not to breathe, but they're still going to. So now you've got like predicaments, you've got breath play, you've got mind fuckery. I can have my bottom strip and assume a position, and I'll be like jog in place. And I'll let them jog in place for a little while. and I'll be like, stand still. And then I'll hold the thing. And I'll be like, hold your breath. And now they really need to breathe. But I'm telling them not to. And there's punishment if they do. That's all a breath play scene. And it is completely I love it. safe.
0: <laughs> Sadistic best. Yes. He just pulled a violet wand into that. So now I'm like, I want to do this shit. <laughs> Take notes. I will yeah. be writing this stuff down. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, again, breath play for me is rarely like, just breath play. There are things called rebreather hoods. There are latex hoods that zip up, they're fully encompassing, and they have a bag in front of the face, and then there's a hole in the middle of the bag. So as you breathe in and out, you're getting some air exchange, but it's fairly limited, and it is causing that CO2 to build up in your bloodstream, which is causing you to feel a little panicky, but you can still breathe. You have to focus on your breathing, because every time you inhale, that bag is going to slam against your face, and if that little hole isn't over your mouth, you're not going to get any fresh air. So you have to concentrate. So that's fine. You take the bottom. You tie them into the chair. You put the hood over their head. You let them do that for a while until they've figured it out. And then you start being <laughs> mean to them. You take the violet wand out with the metal spikes so it's super intense. And then you start zapping all their bits. <laughs> they're going to lose focus, right? They're going to become distressed. And all of a sudden, they're not going to be able to focus on the breathing. The breathing's going to become erratic. They're going to miss the hole. So now they're being tortured. They can't breathe, and it's just building and building and building until I decide to stop it. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's a good thing. I love me. it. That's a lot of fun.
1: It is. It's fantastic. No, I I, I appreciate a good I sadist. It. I really
0: do. I think I think part of the reason yes. Rara likes bringing all these people onto the podcast is she's like, "Oh, can I play with you?" Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a masochist, but
1: it's interesting for me. I don't know that I would do. I don't know that I would do that. I'm such a fucking control freak that oh, that the idea yes. of my breath being controlled by somebody else is it's a mind boggling for me personally.
0: Plus, it would mess up her hair.
1: Well, yeah, the hood would mess great. up my hair.
0: That's a hard limit. Um- <laughs> <laughs> he rolled his eyes. <laughs> Saw Look, that.
1: <laughs> okay. My name is Princess Rara. I tell people the princess is Alrighty,
2: real. Then. Yeah, no, no. I have this whole scene that I call my de-princessification scene. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Scene. Oh, my God.
0: And you're in you, – She she's going to be in your city.
1: Please okay. do it. Shit. <laughs> All right. Well, now we need to know. We need to share with our listeners. What is this de-princessification okay. scene?
2: Well, that's usually like the bottom starts off in a very nice, frilly princess kind of dress. And then I just take several hours reducing them to a submissive, degraded Pile of goo.
1: Yeah, I know. She's looking at me. Remember, humiliation, degradation are hard limits for me. Fine. I'll do it. Okay.
0: (laughs) Pack me in your suitcase. We're flying. All right.
1: (laughs) So you and I talked previously when we were setting this up, and I know that usually as part of your breath play classes, you teach about anatomy and physiology of the respiratory and circulatory systems. So why don't we talk a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely, and I always preface this with this is not a advanced life support course. There is nothing that I'm going to say that is going to make you educated or skilled enough to save somebody if things go sideways, that this is for education so that people can better understand what's happening when they are submitting to this or when you're doing Got this it. to someone else.
1: Yeah, we're, we're going to... Include lots of warnings
2: with this episode. There's a couple of different things we can talk about. There's there's anatomy, things you want to watch out for. The neck, there's a lot of things going on in the neck. Without diagrams, it's a little tough. But basically, if you just, hold, you know, you've got these cartilage that protects your airways. And they're not bone, they're cartilage, which means they can break. Which means if you are going to strangle someone, or if you're going to choke someone, or if you're going to put a rope around someone's neck, you have to be protective of these structures you either want to go above them so you're like right where the throat meets the chin um, and you can actually take your finger and put your finger right into that and push up and you can his yourself with one finger <laughs> I like I like doing that to people who are immobilized just to show them how truly fucked they are I'm like I can choke you out with one finger I'm to be dramatic about this <laughs> Or you want to go very low on the chest, sometimes with, with, with certain hog ties, stuff like that, when you put a rope around the neck to the feet or the hands, you want to go low so that you're below all of these structures in the neck that you need to protect. You have veins, you got your carotid, or you got your jugular veins and your carotid arteries. Obviously you need to be aware of those. If someone goes purple in the face, that's not necessarily a big deal. I find it incredibly carotid. That just means you're compressing the the external jugulars. You have external and internal. If you compress the external jugulars, blood flow can only go down to the internal jugulars. You're gonna have a little bit of black back up into the face, so you'll have deoxygenated blood in the face. It'll go a nice little sexy purple hue. And if that's what you want, that's totally fine. If you compress the carotids All I can think of
0: is Rara doesn't like purple? That'll cause problems. <laughs> that actually sounds fascinating. So is well, that so? The when the person turns purple, is that from the lack of air or
2: no? It's it's only because so the carotids are unimpeded at this point, right? The the jugglers will compress before the carotids will. So all that means is that the the oxygenated blood is still getting up into the brain. And the deoxygenated blood that wants to go from the fa- from the head, the face, all this can't flow as okay. easily back down. So it backs up a bit. It backs up into the facial capillaries. You get deoxygenated blood just hanging out in the face. Interesting. And you get purple. Whole thing is interesting.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, this is like right up my damn alley. It's like the why behind everything. I love it. Okay. Now I want to know why would somebody find this so interesting, no, sexy? Why is this sexy to you?
2: I, I don't know. I find I, I find people in distress sexy. I right. You put a you put a real tight collar on somebody, um, like a nice thick posture collar, good four inch posture collar. Strap that fucker down nice and tight. And one of the first, if I'm doing something like that, I'll be like, can you swallow? And if they say they can swallow, then they're okay. They're controlling their secretions, so they're not going to choke on their drool. Now it can still be uncomfortable. And their face will flush, their tongue might stick out a little bit, their eyes will get a little buggy. I don't want to keep them there forever or even for longer than i don't know five or six minutes to get some sexy pictures and make make, make them come <laughs> uh, with the funny face something like that but it's i I find that kind of manipulation of somebody's body well,
1: it's the ultimate strange. power. I mean, you are literally, someone's yes. life is literally in your hands. And I, I can't imagine feeling more, especially as, as a top predominant, feeling stronger in that moment to have that level of power.
2: It's, it's incredibly intense, and it's amazing feeling, and it's also utterly fucking terrifying. And it should be. If you're not afraid while you're doing oh, wow. these scenes, okay. you shouldn't do them. As a top. I do this scene... Um, I like to do like very elaborate bondage and I'm always like you can never have enough there there's like you can always put on more right like m- more more bondage more it's like cowbell like bondage so I will do like elaborate head bondage where I will do a mouth pack and then I will do a vet wrap and then I'll electro tape over the vet wrap and then I will put on a spandex hood and then a latex hood and then a leather hood now Bear in mind, none of this is impeding breathing. Like, I'm not trying to keep them from breathing. I'm just trying to do absolute, over-the-top bondage control. Like, you are just utterly fucked because of what I've done to you. But you should be fine breathing-wise. But the more stuff you put on somebody's face, the more chance that something's going to go wrong with the breathing. So while, at the same time, I am deeply enjoying this and I find it as as art as much as anything else, I am also like just hyper-focused and very, I'm not anxious probably isn't the right word, but it's just that I am completely like, focused on nothing going wrong. And it's like, I, I deeply enjoy what I'm doing. I'm calling it art, but I wouldn't even necessarily say that in the moments I have nothing but joy because I'm also very stressed. So it's like, when I'm done, I get everybody else, I look at the photos, I'll be like, that was fucking awesome. I nailed that. Look at what I did. But in that moment, while I'm enjoying that power exchange, most fucking terrified because something could go wrong and I have to be on top of it. And I am constantly monitoring breathing and I'm constantly checking in and I'm, you know, I may have a pulse ox on their finger just to make sure that they're okay. And I'm checking for signs. And the more intense and elaborate you want to get with your breast play, as a top, the more stressed out you should be you know every everybody's got their own like limits and hard lines and stuff like that. For me, what I tell people is if your bottom isn't unconscious, they can't be dead i I am not a carotid play person and we can start talking about that in a minute. I don't choke people out. I don't let people go unconscious. Some people are looking for that and that's fine. They just need to find somebody else to do that with. okay, so we're gonna back up real quick okay. and talk about some more anatomy, okay so, when someone passes out from oxygen depletion, that takes a while, right? You're you're increasing the carbon dioxide in the brain and the body and the heart, which is what you're really concerned about at this point, and you're decreasing the oxygen with things like choking, with bag play, with strangulation with rope and stuff like that, where you're not cutting off the blood to the brain so they instantly pass out, you are cutting off the oxygen so slowly the oxygen levels are going lower and lower and lower and CO2 is rising and rising and rising. CO2 in the blood is an acid. Your heart is very sensitive to acid. And if your heart rate if if too much blood too much acid in the blood can make the heart do things you do not want it to do. Now, what is that level? Well I I can't tell you right? It's going to be different for every person. What I can tell you is that if you let someone slip into a consciousness from lack of oxygen, they're going to have a lot of acid in their body. And maybe they'll wake back up, and maybe they won't. But um, you know, even someone like me, who gets paid to make (laughs) dead people not dead anymore, I don't want to roll those dice. I don't get off on making people dead. I get off on making life people suffer. If they slip into the blessed release of unconsciousness, so so I'm not you, having you fun straight anymore. Up panic. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If they never go there, then they're never dead. Uh, I am looking for panic. I'm looking for control. I'm looking for power exchange. I'm not looking to knock somebody out. That's not what I do. And because I don't do that, I feel like my play is more inherently safe than someone who will choke someone into unconsciousness. So that's that's oxygen unconsciousness. There is another thing that we're going to talk about right now. I call it carotid play, right? There's breath play and there's carotid play. And a lot of people think the same thing and they're not. Breath play is manipulating somebody's respiratory system because you can't. Carotid play is manipulating their circulatory system
0: to make them unconscious. So I think I've I've been in that category where I kind of put them in the same uh, category because they're, I don't know another word other than category for this, because they're both. In the throat area. Right.
2: Right. They look the same to someone on the outside. They will look the same. But the mechanisms are different. When you're doing carotid play, you are compressing the carotid arteries. And if you do it right, you will compress the carotid arteries and make someone pass out without ever restricting their airflow.
0: That's the one that I've seen the most. And that's the scene that actually is on my bucket list of things to try. Because I've seen people do it a few times now, yeah, and it's they wake up from the unconscious part and they're like, "Oh my god, I feel so refreshed! It was amazing. I loved it." And I'm just like, "I kind of want to try this."
2: I've also seen wake up and just freak the fuck out. So you know, oh, watch
0: me be in the freak the fuck out. Yeah, part. knowing you, yeah, knowing me, that that'll happen.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm such a sick bastard. It's like, you know, they signed up for it, and they choked him out, and they woke up, and they panicked and started crying, and I'm like, yeah, that's hot, too. That's the same as just
0: So that's that's known as blood choking, too, right?
2: Uh, I think so. I've never heard that term, but it sounds descriptively like what we're talking about.
1: Okay. The person who in our community does it calls it blood choking, but it sounds – I, and I've watched them do it multiple times. It sounds like it's exactly what you're describing. Yeah. They just call it blood choking.
2: One of the main arguments that a man named Jane Wiseman used to use was uh, okay, so buckle in.
0: All right, we're ready.
2: So there are nerve clusters in your carotid arteries. Right. And for a very long time in American medicine, the theory was that if you manipulated these nerve clusters, you could. Drop someone's blood pressure, and it was that way for a very long time. I was taught that way, you know. Originally, in, in when I took ACLS the first time in nineteen ninety, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you had somebody whose blood, you know, pulse was two hundred, you'd take your fingers and you'd rub their side of their neck, and maybe that would drop their blood pr- drop drop their pulse. Hmm. Okay. They stopped teaching that because it doesn't work, um, and to my knowledge, um, I'm sure. You're going to get a bunch of, you know, messages saying I'm full of shit and I don't know what I'm talking about. And, you know, <laughs> that's fine. I may not. But to my to my experience and from what I've understood and from the classes that I've seen and the ERs I've worked in, they don't even bother doing that stuff because it does not work. But there, again, this gentleman named Jay Wiseman's argument was any compression of the throat whatsoever could manipulate these carotid nerve bundles and kill someone. And there was even a nerve for it was called the playful tweak of death. This was the rote law for, for a couple of decades in the community until someone pointed out that people do this every day in dojos around the world and people don't die. So why is it that when you're fucking someone and you compress their carotids, they can instantly die? But if you're just slapping, throwing someone around on a dojo mat and you compress their carotids, they I, I would guess it's fun.
0: training versus not knowing what the fuck you're doing.
2: So yes, I don't argue that training is necessary, and that this is why I don't teach karate. Because I uh, am not a MMA expert; I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, and I, I don't know those moves. I've never been taught them. Not particularly interested in learning them. Uh, my sadism runs in different streaks. Uh, what I do when I, because a lot of people show up in my classes, and they're like, "All right." Show me I took somebody out and make them pass out. And I'm like, that's not going to happen today. <laughs> um, and then they're like, Come on. and I'm like, just go to a dojo, man. Go to a go, go Jujutsu. Jo- ju- yeah, do- I know. That's a hard word ju- to say. Judo. Dojo. <laughs> it is. I don't even think it's accurate, but whatever. I'm white. Leave me alone. You know, pay for a year's training, and they'll probably teach you how to do it, and they'll teach you how to do it right. It's, you know, it's not one of those moves I really think should be aggressively taught in the community i think it needs to be taught by people who professionally teach those moves but that's just my humble opinion
0: one of our mottos is we have opinions so you're in good company it's the whole basis of this podcast
2: we have opinions good 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 yeah well just just so you know jay Wiseman has a lot of devoted followers oh yeah well aware of jay Wiseman, maybe angry at you too but yeah, I, he's wrong. He's wrong. I'm just gonna say it right now. I've met the guy. I told to him what face, did he do? You know, he's fucking wrong, and that's just okay. Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> when you told him he was wrong. Oh, what did Jay Wiseman do? Oh, I I can't even re- like. Um, he went on about trying to into his diatribe about like you know, there's no way to know for sure, and any risk is too risk. And I was just like, shut up, you dirty hippie, go away. And then well, I well,
1: uh, I, I mean, I do kind of understand his point is you try to teach this stuff and some people think, Oh, I've now listened to this podcast and I've learned the stuff. I'm ready to go try it and go off and do it. No. and Fuck things up. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is very high level, dangerous shit. Like I will never tell anyone that this is not edge play, uh, that this is inherently safe stuff. Cause it's not. People can die doing this. What I will submit is that people don't. And the ones who do, vast majority of time. And that when they do, there is usually a whole lot of red flags and extenuating circumstances. And, you know, it wasn't just the breath plague that led to their death. It was a bunch of poor choices right. that led up to the breath plague that led to their death. There was a gentleman, and I'm, I am totally, I have not read this case report in a very long time so i am paraphrasing all of this so for everybody uh, (laughs) this is a story about a story but it's based on facts so the 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 highlights are a gentleman met another gentleman on the internet and was like oh let's get together and do bdsm things and they got together and he was his abject slave for a week and they were doing all the great hot fun stuff And then the guy decided to full duct tape mummification of this guy, including the head, uh, with only a small straw for him to breathe out of, and then stuffed him in a closet and went to bed.
1: Yeah, I can just tell right from that,
2: wrong. Well, yeah. I I mean, and yeah, you know, the guy asphyxiated because his chest was compressed and because he was breathing through a straw and someone left him alone. Like, that's how people die from breath play. You know who you're playing with really fucking well. Vet them. Make them talk you know, make them describe what they're doing to an extent where you believe they know what they're yeah, doing Yeah,
1: this is not before a, you do' this anything is not the type of scene for pickup play no
2: no yeah that's yeah, this is not I mean you can tell anyone held their breath, but i mean that that's fun, but bagging we haven't even gotten into waterboarding or rope play, stuff like that. One of the caveats of tying a rope around somebody's neck is you never secure it to an anchor point. And that's a really good idea. And and yes, you never secure it to an anchor point. I've seen people who are very good at rope, very good at rope. People who are absolutely not me because I suck at rope. <laughs> who will put somebody into a chest harness, right? And then secure that off. And then put a noose around someone's throat and tie that off so that there is just the slightest amount more pull on the neck than on the chest. But were they to pass out, there would not be enough difference in slack between the two sets of ropes for them to hang themselves. That is like the only thing that I can ever think of where I would... And even then, I'm like, why don't you just hold on to the end of the rope? And that (laughs) way you can just fuck with them and pull on the rope and make their eyes bug out and like, ah, I can do whatever I want to. Like, that's funner for me. The other option I give people is if you want to do that, you put the rope around the neck, you go up to an eye bolt, you put the rope through the eye bolt, over to the other eye bolt, and then down. And then you get a kettlebell with 10, 15 pounds. You tie that rope off to the kettlebell with a quick release knot. Now they have the sensation of a rope around their neck, right? It is not enough to choke them out. It's enough to make them know that they've got a rope around their neck. And they can feel that. And because it's a rope that's not secured to a hard point, if they go up on their tiptoes to get relief. Mm, yeah. They don't get any because the rope just slides back down. But worst case scenario, were they to pass out and fall down, because it's not connected to a hard point, if they go down, I make sure there's enough length in that rope that if they were to go down, all that would happen was the kettlebell would go up. It wouldn't lock off to anything. Therefore, they would never find themselves hanging from it. Things like that. Like, how do I make this as safe as I can and still be able to experience and do the things I want to do.
1: All right. So we've talked about a couple of ways. I want to go over some other ways to do like breath control play and different things I've seen. I I know I participated in like a smothering scene or queen, whatever where I sat on somebody's face.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I know that was it. Um, I'm looking at a long list and I see things that I didn't even think about like corsets. Corsets is breath play? It can be if you tie it tight enough.
2: Yes, that's called constrict- yeah. It's it's called constriction. You're I uh, I will do it with belts. You take belts and you, or you can do it with hemp rope too. Uh, why do we tell people when we put them into bondage to hold it to take a deep breath when we're doing chest wraps?
0: Oh yeah. Well, we have to do that when I put on a corset too, because you don't want to make it so tight that the person can't breathe in. You want that you want it breathed in already tie it tight and then when they breathe out they have the extra slack so they can breathe in that one i know from corsets from just wearing them normally i never freaking thought of that
2: right <laughs> right so if you want to be a if someone were to be a dick and be like exhale and then quirk everything down so then all you have are little panting breaths that absolutely is that absolutely is breathless.
0: huh so funny story my corset was tied a bit too tight on my wedding day. So I was doing that. I was going.
2: Yeah, you got to take little breaths. Yeah. And then some fucker comes up behind you and starts caning the shit out of you while you're just barely able to breathe. That's a good fucking time.
1: <laughs> See, yeah. I mean, there's so many ways to do like breath play that don't involve a hand around the neck.
0: I never. I, okay. So, again, of course, I know about waterboarding. I never put that together in this category.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, fluid is, for me, when I teach, fluid is a completely separate set of, you know, it's its, its own thing. You know, there there is your classic American waterboarding, you know, uh, that we're all really well <laughs> aware of now, unfortunately, because of us. And um, I, I know people, I know people who used to do that professionally, and they they taught me how to do that professionally. You know the again, why did why do Americans waterboard people they don't like? Well, because you can do it for a very long time and people won't die from it. So if you do it the way that the military manual tells you to do it, you can make some, put somebody in agony for a very long time and they will be just fine. Lovely. It's terrifying. I mean, it's fucking terrifying. And most like the bad ass bottoms that I am blessed to have in my life don't last very long. Um it is one of the most unpleasant experiences that a human being can experience. As an evil top, it's a lot of fucking fun. I can I can yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> I would last about point three seconds as a bottom. But as a top, I, I can I can do it for hours. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. You can do much more maniacal things, though, that are also much more inherently dangerous. You can take that bag, you can seal it around the base of the throat with uh, tape, layers and layers of tape so that it's waterproof. And then you open up the top of the bag a little bit so that they can breathe just fine. But then you slide the plastic or the rubber tube with the funnel at the end and you start pouring water Ooh, into shit. the bag that's now sealed around the He's head. a
1: sadistic motherfucker. I like him. Holy <laughs> shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I wish I could own any of this. I wish I could own any of this. But the truth of the matter is, is that when I was a young lad, I started what? Are you guys familiar with insects? The old website? Nope. Uh, oh, okay. So, literally half the porn on Tumblr came from insects and its later derivatives. Uh, this guy named, well, I'm not going to say his actual name, but he goes by PD. And for him, it was art. It was performance pieces. He came out with his website in 97. was one of the first porn websites on the internet. was worth one of the first BDSM porn sites on the internet. Because he realized that all the rules and regulations that said that, you know, you can't have general penetration if you have someone tied down and all that bullshit only applied to print and video. Didn't apply to anything that was on the interwebs. So he could do whatever he wanted. And that was the first time I saw a picture of a woman with a bag over her head. That was the first time I saw a picture of a woman in a kneeling hogtie suspended by her hair with Ooh. just wraps and wraps of saran wrap around her face i I was
0: too young for any of that shit that's why i don't know what it is
2: yeah i i I didn't used to be this old but um (laughs) that's what opened my mind up to the possibilities was watching this guy and realizing and then it was years literally years of okay how did they do this how did they make this safe right because they're professionals you know and sometimes it was like all right i'm sure they have a full crew like right off camera so if anything goes wrong, they can pounce on this woman and like do the thing. I'm sure they've got a set medic, but fortunately, huh. But other was just like, okay, well he's uh oh, there's slack in that line. Or oh he doesn't have that tied off. Or oh he's only letting it stay there on her head until she freaks out, and then he's cutting holes in the bag so that she can breathe. And then it's a power exchange thing where it's like, Maybe I'll let you breathe, <laughs> maybe I won't. But it's not it's not about Choking someone into subconsciousness, its about fucking with their mind.
0: All right, cool.
1: All right, so I know you've got a couple of new things that you want to try.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, not probably not waterboarding. That's that's not on my list. <laughs> if
1: if somebody is interested in starting this, what do you think would be the best place to start?
2: Wow, that's as a top or a bottom.
1: Either one. I mean, obviously things like the blood choking or or carotid that's like way advanced
2: um i mean yes and no it's it's advanced in that you need training but again if you go and get a membership at an mma gym and be like hey i want to learn these techniques and they're like yeah sure and you spend a couple months probably learning how to do that correctly you can do that carotid play is actually much safer than like straight breath play.
0: So that's, I think, what our friend who does carotid play has cited, that he doesn't want to do breath play because just says it's it's not that as safe and doesn't want it's, to be in that position.
2: There is vastly more inherent risk with some of the techniques I've talked about today.
0: Right. Okay.
2: You put a bag over somebody's head and tape it around the base of the throat. If you don't take that bag off, they're going to die right? Flat out. That's heavy shit. And you need to be aware of that before you start playing around with stuff like that. Karate play, again, happens every day. I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say thousands of times around the world, probably thousands of times around the world every day, and people don't die.
0: What kind of things do you negotiate, though, for the choking part? I mean, I'm not asking about the karate because you don't do that, but
2: Right. Usually when people come to me and say, I want to play, I'm like, okay, well, go to my Life and look at my pictures. Tell me which ones you like. And if they come back and say, uh, so that bag over the head thing looks really scary, but I want to try it, then we will spend a lot of time. Well, have you ever done anything like that before? Okay, actually, let me back it up because we're not even going to do that because, again, I would not do that with someone I just played with. They come to me, they're like, I like that. I'm going to be like, okay, well, first we're just going to do some, like, choking. Like, I'm going to either tie you down or I'm not going to tie you down. I'm going to put my hand on your throat and we're going to see how you do, right? You're not going to pass out. may make your face go purple. We'll play around. We'll have a good time with that. So
0: stuff that you would consider beginner level?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the hand on the throat with mild compression, again, like, that's like vanilla, like – You know, all right. Most people don't, I mean, I don't even really, that's not really kinky. People just do that shit for fun. (laughs) But yeah, that's where you start. And then if you like that, it's okay. Well, what other stuff do you like? Do you want to try a hog tie with a independent rope that goes around your throat so that if you thrash around to choke yourself a little bit, but it's not like you're strangling to death and I'm going to be right here with you and we're just going to sit in that space together as you enjoy the distress of that, next time it's, okay, well, I'm going to take a piece of latex, right? And I'm just going to hold it over your face, right? So that you can't, it's like a rebreather mask without the full hood, because that's a very intense sensation. And then I'm just going to do that. I'm going to hold that for a couple of seconds, you know, so that you get the sensation of not being able to inhale when you really need to. And then I'm going to let it off. We're going to start very gentle. We're going to start very mellow.
0: So it's kind of like you're training the person to to take it one step further every time?
2: More like, let's find out where your comfort level is. Uh, most of the people that I play with are very experienced, so I don't necessarily need to ramp them up because they're already into this shit. If a newbie came to me and said, I want to experience different forms of breath play, this is how I would walk them through it. Got it. Because again, like like the pinnacle for me is the whole... I'm going to put a plastic bag around your throat and I'm going to watch you panic. And I guarantee, I guarantee you're going to get to a space where you're not going to be okay with this anymore. And that place is going to be before you're in actual danger. And the trust of this, this interaction is going to be, you're going to trust me to let you panic and to keep you from being in danger. But there's going to be like a five second space there. where We're going to be like, I'm not okay. And I'm just going to watch you be not okay and then I'm going to let you out. That takes a lot of trust, and that takes a lot of communication, and that happens with people who have played four years together. That is not something I would do with anybody that I had just met. Even if I knew that they were experienced players, I wouldn't do that with somebody that I did not have a very meaningful friendship with, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is is some serious kinkery. It's next-level shit. It is. I mean, and I... And, and for as much as I am a masochist and I do crazy shit because I do like to play with – I do blood play scenes and all of that, this even for me is a extreme. bit extreme. I mean, I like – I'm really fascinated by the control aspect. I like the idea um, – I mean, I do. I do rope. I do rope suspension. And there's definitely something when you are hanging by rope and your chest is being compressed. That you really have to make a concerted effort to slow your breathing and to relax and relax into the ropes. And that I'm very fascinated by and I love that. And I love the idea of the corset being a little extra tighter. And again, it, it, the control of you will be able to breathe just fine if you can stay calm. If you can slow yeah. your breathing down. That I love the idea of. Um i don't yes. want plastic around my face i am I'm, I'm freaked out at the idea of let's say hood or something else that would be around and there's just a straw through my mouth yeah no like i've done i've done the the vac the vac beds the latex vac beds, but never where my head is covered, and you just have the the tube that allows you to breathe
2: it's not for everyone it's absolutely not for everyone, and again it doesn't have to like with the bagging, that's a very intense, very extreme, very risky venture. There's plenty of stuff that you can do that doesn't have to go there. With with gas masks, which again, you know, a lot of people aren't going to like because they don't want that big thing on their face. But you can do a thing with gas masks called a, a bubble chamber where you have the gas mask and all the, all the air that you inhale goes through a tube. And it, at the other end of the tube is this chamber that's partially full of water. To inhale, you have to breathe through the water. It's not like you're breathing the water, but the bubbles have to come through the water and then to the top of the chamber, and then you breathe the air. But you have to have enough suction to pull the water up through that column of fluid, which makes it difficult to breathe. You have to actively breathe. You can't just sit there and passively just your body doing your thing. You have to work out. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, JG Leathers is another guy who is really famous for this kind of building these kind of contraptions. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Total mindfuckery. Fairly safe. You're going to breathe. You're going to breathe. You're just gonna have to work at it. And it's gonna make you unsettled. You're gonna have to focus on that. And if some sick fuck is also has you wired up to a shock generator or <laughs> is beating the crap out of you, it's gonna be a very intense. Who are you experience. talking about
1: exactly? Yeah, what kind of sick fuck would do that?
2: <laughs> I, 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 you know, I mean, I'm just speaking theoretically. Right. I don't know. <laughs> it's just theory. It's theory at this point, you know.
0: <laughs> Nobody's done that. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> One that I saw that was super clever. There's a, there's a model um, named Elise. I can't pronounce her last name right now. I'm brain farting. But anyway, they hooked her up to a CPAP machine and they had her mouth completely sealed. She could not breathe through it. She could only breathe through the CPAP machine that was sealed onto her nose. And then they had the CPAP machine hooked up to a computer so that it would only allow her to breathe for like 10 seconds out of every 30. So when the CPAP machine was turned off, she just had to like maintain, right? And just wait for the CPAP machine to turn back on. While the machine CPAP machine was breathing so she could breathe, she was also being shocked. So she was like, ow, 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 but she had to like fight through that to just get regular breaths in because she was only getting regular breaths for 10 seconds. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I love that. That's brilliant. I would love, I would love to, to recreate that someday. Like that's totally my alley of crazy over the top shit to do. But again, you're breathing. You're totally breathing. You're just breathing when I want you to, not necessarily when you want to.
1: Gotcha. Are there people... Are there certain like health conditions that would make it such that you shouldn't be doing this? Like if you are, let's say an asthmatic.
2: Uh, Absolutely. So the first thing I will say is that breath play is a young person's game. The older you get, the less more, and this is anyone, right? The older you get, the more brittle your body is going to become, the less ability you're going to have to compensate, the more irritated your heart is going to be by the increase in CO2 in your bloodstream. And you know, people in their seventies should not be doing this shit. You know, people in most people in their sixties and fifties, honestly, probably should not be doing this shit.
1: All right, I'm out.
0: Yay! I don't have to do it.
2: <laughs> An eighteen-year-old, you could probably, you know, dunk them in water for two days, and you know, they'll be fine because
0: they'll be pickled.
2: Yes, but I mean, you know, they'll be okay because they're they they eighteen. Their bodies can take anything within reason. So first is age. Age is the, age is the huge limiting factor. Um, if you have any kind of respiratory issues, tread lightly. Tread super lightly. Have your rescue inhaler. Make sure the top that you're with knows that, knows where it is. Is it worth it? You know, is like, is your desire to experience breath play like intense enough to override the safety concerns of someone with respiratory illnesses, like severe asthma, cystic fibro. I mean, these are people who live in breath play. So I got to say that I haven't run across many people who, you know, experience hypoxia on a regular basis who want to experience it for funsies. There you um, go.
1: What about like a basic cold if, they, if you have a cold at the time of the
2: scene? I mean, probably shouldn't be playing if you have a cold anyway. So, yeah, no. If if your respiratory system is in any way already compromised, you probably shouldn't be messing around with this stuff. I won't gag somebody if their no- nose is stuffed. Like that's just like I won't put somebody in a hood if their gag if their head is stuffed up. But I probably don't even want to be in a room with somebody whose head is stuffed <laughs> up. So. That's also, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just basic stuff. Fair there's enough. Also the, but there's also one other thing, and this is actually specific uh, to carotid play as well. And again, this is an age thing, but there is this thing called brewies. Bruise. bruise are, well, it's actually a sound that's caused by plaque buildup in your carotid arteries. And it happens to certain human beings as they age, just like you can have plaque buildup in your heart. The problem is, is that if you are... Fucking around with your carotid arteries, there is the theoretical possibility that a piece of this plaque can break off, travel up into your brain, and then you won't remember your piano lessons anymore. Because you'll just have had a stroke. Oh!
1: That sounds bad. Mm, No bueno.
2: (laughs) So, if you are young, that's not something you need to worry about. The older you get, if you are, and this, like, if you are an uh, extreme BDSM player of any kind, You should be taking your health seriously. Getting the checkups. Brewies are, are, um, you know, the plaque buildup and the carotid are actually fairly easy to check for. You can often hear them with a stethoscope. Get your checkups. Get your yearly checkups. Make sure you know what's going on with yourself. You know, this you you are playing with someone's life. And I do not want to minimize that and say that all breath play is okay and hunky-dory and safe. Because it's not. It can be very dangerous if you are smart and if you are careful and if your partner is smart and your partner is careful. There is a lot of different kinds of breath play that you can do that is either on one end of the extreme, hold your breath and perfectly safe to things like having a rope around your throat, but it's not tied off to anything. So yes, you've got a rope around your throat and you're tugging on it. And there is an inherent amount of risk with that. What you want to do with that risk and how much you want to engage in that risk is every individual's right to decide. Educate yourself beforehand. Then you're going up to things like, you know, sealing bags around people's throat where it's like both those parties best understand that there are massive consequences if something goes sideways. It can be perfectly fine. It cannot. I don't personally know of anyone in the BDSM community who has killed their partner with a bag over their head. I've never heard of it. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Again, comment sections will probably educate me. But I like to live in the comfort of statistics and evidence. And the fact of the matter is, is that people do not routinely die playing this way.
0: All right. That's good to know. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Well, I think this is a good place for us to end. I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but I don't know that our (laughs) listeners would hang around that long. Thank you so much, KG. We appreciate this. Our listeners appreciate this. Is there a way for people to reach out to you if they have any further questions?
2: I, yeah, my uh, handle is King Goblin on FetLife. Um, I check it fairly regularly. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me.
1: All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. We really
2: appreciate this. Oh, it was an honor to meet both of you. And uh, maybe I'll see you in a couple of weeks. That would be nice.
0: Thank you for hanging out with us today. If you have a question you would like answered or just have a story about the lifestyle you want to share, you can send us a voicemail and maybe it will be shared in a future episode. Just go to PinkKinkPodcast.com to contact us. Follow us on
1: Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife at the handle PinkKinkPodcast. Join our Facebook group, Pink Kink Podcast and hang out with other Pink Kinksters.
0: If you love what we do and are able to help support us, we are on Patreon. Just look for us on patreon.com slash Pink Kink Podcast.
1: Even if you can't show your support financially, there are other ways you can help. You can spread the word about our kinky podcast and tell your friends about us. You can also rate and review Pink Kink on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The five-star reviews really help.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to Pink Pink so you don't miss a minute of the fun. New episodes come out every Friday. So until next time, stay pretty, stay safe, and stay twisted.